Good morning, everyone. It's supposed to get cooler this week. So uh, we think we've made it through the, 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 the worst part of it. So hopefully uh, your air conditioner bills will go down uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks. But uh, as, as Bob said, we are, we are so thankful for God for, for the sun and the, the rain, uh, all of the things that help the thing that, that help uh, the flowers grow and the, the vegetables and the, the, the cows next door can have grass for, the, for, their, uh, for their food. We're just so thankful to God for all of the things that he has provided to us. And he created this universe to be perfect. He created this universe. He created this world to sustain us and to sustain the life that he has created. And we're just so thankful for that this morning. Um, last week, we looked at the first part of a story in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 17. The story uh, is that of David and Goliath. And even if you haven't been in church for that long, you've probably heard of David and Goliath. Uh, we talked about the exciting reality that God is with us. And uh, some of you got really excited. Some of you not so excited, but that's okay. Uh, we're not an excitable uh, uh, denomination, the Brethren in Christ, uh, but it is exciting to think about uh, the, the, just this idea that not only did God create us, not only did God make everything to sustain us, but he is actually with us, and he cares about what happens to us. And this morning, we're going to look at the conclusion of this David and Goliath story, and we're going to discover an even more exciting reality than God is with us. And that's an exciting reality. But the even more exciting reality is that God is for us. Not only is he with us, not only is he beside us, but he is for us. He is active in our lives. He is active in wanting us to thrive by doing his will in obedience. Sometimes people think, well, you know, God with us, God for us, it's the same thing. It's not. They're not really the same thing. God is with every person on earth. Did you ever stop to think about that? God created every person on earth, and God is with every person. He's created those basic provisions of air and food and water, and those things are available to everyone, though admittedly some have much easier access to those things than others. Uh, my old church... Uh, before I started pastoring, we used to sponsor a village out in Ethiopia that uh, had to walk two and a half miles each way to get water, to get clean, drinkable water. But God still provides that water. And for everyone who has ever lived, God has provided the fruits of his creation. And he is also with every human being in that he wants to see every human being come to him. He wants to see every human being repent of sin and live with him forever. And he is with them and he has sent the Holy Spirit who we sang about this morning. He has sent the Holy Spirit to help guide those people, to help convict those people. Because God wants every human being to come to him. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says that the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some, as, uh, some count slowless, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach 
repentance. And when Jesus was speaking to his disciples just before his arrest, he told them that the Holy Spirit, in essence, would take over the ministry that he started. And in John 16, verses 7 to 11, we read, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus talking. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit is here to convict of sin and righteousness and judgment. And when he convicted us of our sin, and we repented and we turned back to the Father, he made the promise to give us eternal life. And the Holy Spirit works in and through us still as followers of Jesus Christ to convict us in righteousness. He works in and through us when we are tempted. He works in and through us when we sin to remind us that is not what God wants for us. And we are able to turn back to God again. We are able to be forgiven of those sins. Our job as followers of Jesus Christ is to be obedient in bearing witness to what the Holy Spirit is doing. We are to bear witness to what Jesus told us is his saving work. And we do this by telling people about Jesus and by living the way that Jesus has instructed us to live in the Gospels. But one thing that we kind of get wrong one thing that I think stresses us out a little bit is we think it's our job to save people. It is not our job to save people because guess what? You can't. Just like you couldn't save yourself. Just like God had to come through the Holy Spirit and convict you and forgive you so that you could be saved. We cannot save anyone else. That's not our job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Thank God that that is the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to reflect Christ. Our job is to be a witness. Our job is to love our neighbors just as we love God and to love our neighbors just as God loves our neighbors. So we can see kind of some parallels to this idea of redemption and Holy Spirit work in this story of David and Goliath. Last week, we left the army of Israel over on this mountaintop over here. And we left the army of the Philistines over on this mountaintop, and we've got this big valley in the middle. And we left the army of Israel dismayed and greatly afraid because of the taunts of the, uh, the Philistine champion, Goliath. Remember Goliath, the nine foot nine guy who towered over all of the Israelite army? 
And he started taunting them and taunting them for 40 days, taunting them, saying, send somebody out to fight me. If, if you guys beat me, we will be your servants. But if I beat your champion, you'll be our servants. And he defied the armies of God. And we continue in the story today in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 25. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. These men although they don't want to fight themselves, are trying to entice someone to step forward. They're trying to entice someone to be their savior or to die trying. The army of Israel are the people that are in need of God's rescue. Just like those in our world today who are lost are in need of God's rescue. Rescue. We read on, David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David's already getting a little bit of an attitude about this guy, Goliath. Who does he think he is? He's talking to the armies of God. We're going to kill him. And the people answered him in the same way, so shall it be done to the man who kills him. David, are you stepping up? David, are you going to be our savior? David is the obedient servant of God who demonstrates his faith and trust in the Lord. First, he bears witness that it is truly the living God whom he serves and whom Israel should serve. He bears witness to this. This is like us when we testify with our words about Jesus Christ, about the things that God has done in and through us, the way that God has already saved us. But David doesn't just step up to the army. He goes to the leader. He goes to King Saul, and he continues his witness. And not only does David talk about the fact that we serve the living God, he tells Saul all of the things that God has given to him, David, as talents and abilities things that help him to know that if God is truly with him, he can beat Goliath. And we read, when the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail. Because of him, your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Now, David's 16 years old. He's not fully grown yet. We're told in the Bible that he's ruddy. In appearance he's probably not a big guy and Saul was made king because he was 
a big guy. The Bible said he stood head and shoulders above the rest of the Israelites. He was a tall guy. And he's looking down at David. You're going to kill this guy, this nine foot nine? He's taller than I am. You're going to do this? And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. Young people, I love that you're here in service this morning. I know that the, the teachers have enjoyed the break from, from teaching Sunday school, and I'm glad that you guys have been in service. But I'm really glad that you are here to hear this this morning. Because, as we have said time and time again, as we said at graduation, do not let anyone look down on you just because you're young. Do not let anybody tell you that you cannot do great things for God just because you're young. Because God will work in you. God will work through you to do his will, to do the things that he needs done to build his kingdom if you are willing to obey what he says. He will use you in great and mighty ways. So just like Saul here, don't let anybody talk to you or talk down to you just because you're young. And here's David's answer. David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear, not Baloo, an actual bear. When a lion came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Wow. <laughs> That's some power right there. Oops, sorry. I grabbed him by his beard and I struck him and I killed him. A bear. How many of you have ever come up against a bear? Anybody ever seen a bear like up close? Especially when they do that thing where they like make themselves like bear. How about a lion? You ever seen a lion up close? They seem so docile. And then you watch the Discovery Channel, and there they go zipping after the gazelle. These wild animals. David says, I have defeated them. I have beat them. I have killed them. David's not just talking now about the fact that God is with him. David is now talking about the fact that God is for him. God has given him strength. God has given him the ability to protect the sheep. To rescue the sheep if they are taken captive by the bear or the lion. What David is saying is God is not only with me, King Saul. God is for me. 
And God is for your army. Because your army really is his army. David testifies of what he can do. And I think the most crucial part of any testimony that we can give is to be able to tell people what God has done in and through us and what we've done with the talents and the abilities that he's given us. I could never, ever, I don't think, run into a burning building. But he has given the heart and the strength and the ability of men and women to be firefighters, to run into a burning building when I want to run out, to run in and save people, Teachers, he has given you talents and abilities to be able to relate to children in a way that a lot of other people can't. Whether you realize it or not, you have a special gift. You have a special talent. You have a special ability to relate to children and to be able to show Jesus Christ through your teaching. Nurses, doctors, lawyers... Farmers, all of you have these talents and these abilities that God has given you. And if you're using them for the glory of God, you've got a story to tell. You've got a testimony to give. And I think that's the most crucial part of being able to testify for God. And now our, our testimonies are all different. Some of us, probably, I don't, I don't know your stories, a lot of you. So most of us don't have these big, elaborate testimony stories, right? Like this guy, Nicky Cruz. Anybody ever heard of Nicky Cruz? If you were in church in the 70s and 80s, you heard of this guy through a book or through a movie called The, the Cross and the Switchblade. And Nicky Cruz was a Puerto Rican gang leader in New York City. Cruz grew up being physically and mentally abused by his parents. His parents practiced witchcraft, and they declared him to be the son of Satan. And at age 15, they abandoned him in New York City. He was on his own. And he took up with this violent gang called the Mau Mau's. And he quickly, through violence, through crime, through the selling of drugs, through alcohol, climbed the ranks of this gang until he became their leader. This was a bad dude. And in 1958, a small-town Pennsylvania preacher named David Wilkerson read something about New York street gangs. And he, he testifies that he heard God tell him, go to them, minister to them. Eventually, Cruz and uh, Wilkerson met up with one another. Wilkerson tried to share the gospel. Nicky Cruz spat in his face, cursed him out. 
Next time he encountered him, Nicky Cruz punched him in the face. And he encountered him several times because Wilkerson just basically went out on the streets of New York City and preached the gospel. And every time he came into Nicky Cruz's little sphere, he beat him, he spit on him. At one point, he knocked him down, sat on his chest, and pulled out his weapon of choice, a switchblade knife, and held it to his throat and threatened to kill him. You know what David Wilkerson said as he was looking up at Nicky Cruz? He said, even if you cut me to pieces, every piece will say, I love you. And it wasn't long after before Nicky Cruz gave his life to Jesus Christ because this street preacher wouldn't back down. This street preacher wasn't afraid of death. This street preacher loved him. Despite everything that he had done to him. Nicky Cruz eventually, over the uh, coming months, helped the rest of his gang come to Christ. And now he has been a minister and evangelist to inner cities around the world for over 50 years, and he's still growing strong. How many of you feel that that is a powerful testimony of what God can do in and through someone? You think that's a powerful testimony? Raise your hand if you think that's a powerful testimony. All right. What about Miss Betty, an 86-year-old woman who usually sat just a row or two ahead of Wendy and me when we were attending church down in Red Lion before we moved up to Dillsburg? Little 86-year-old Miss Betty. She loved the Lord. Loved the Lord. She would stand and sing and clap, and she, she would do her little old lady dance. And she would pray. She would cry out amen during the sermon. She loved the Lord. And one morning, I, could, I couldn't help it. I had to go up to her. I had to talk to her. Never met her before. And I just said, I love seeing the way that you worship God. I said, how, how long have you been saved? How long have you been a Christian? She said, all my life. My earliest memories is when I was three and a half, four years old, being in church. Was in church every Sunday. Always sang songs, always. When I knew what it meant to come to faith in Christ, I came to faith in Christ. Never did drugs, never drank. Met her husband when she was like 18 and a half years old. They got married, she was married for, to him for over 50 years until he died. And still, singing, and dancing, and praising God at age 86. How many of you think that is a powerful testimony of what God can do in and for us? A lot of people don't think that's a powerful testimony. A lot of people think, oh, well, if I, if I have a choice between listening to, to Miss, Miss Betty talk or listening to Nikki Cruz talk, well, I'm going to go talk to Nikki Cruz. I want to hear all of those 
horrible details of his life. Miss Betty didn't have any horrible details. She just loved God. Two very different testimonies. And the reason I tell you about those two very different testimonies is because your testimony, I'm very sure, falls somewhere in the middle between these two people. But your testimony is incredible. Your testimony is wonderful. You are able to talk about Jesus Christ different from anybody else because of what God does in and through you. And there's even better news. Because God is going to put people into your life. He's going to bring them to you. And you're going to be able to tell them about Jesus Christ in a way that they can understand because they have lived a life like yours. Whether you're an alcoholic or a drug addict or you've been living for Jesus since you were three years old. Never forget that God brings people into your life for a reason. And it's not your job to save them. It's just your job to testify. Back in Samuel, 1 Samuel 17, David and Goliath have a little discussion about David's ability to defeat Goliath. David tells the king about the lions and the bears. David said, the Lord who has delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go. And the Lord be with you. I'm not quite sure if Saul is really praying the Lord be with you or if he's saying something similar to good luck. <laughs> Might be a little bit of both. And after a somewhat comical moment where 16-year-old ruddy little David tries on big Saul's uh, armor and realizes that he cannot stand up if he wears it. We read that David took just his staff in his hand and he went down to the brook and he chose five smooth stones and put them in his shepherd's pouch and his sling was in his hand and he approached the Philistine. The sling and the stones. These are the tools that God gave David to accomplish what God wanted to happen. And David stands against Goliath, and Goliath laughs in his face. I mean, imagine. Can, can, you, can you come up here for a second? This is David this morning. Now, imagine, hold on. 
All right, so come, come this way. Imagine, if you will, David and Goliath. You, you want to fight me? <laughs> no, he doesn't want to fight me. I'm sitting down. <laughs> Goliath just stands there and he's like, what is this? I ask you to send me a champion and you send me a dog? That's what he actually says. You can read it in 1 Samuel 17. You send me a dog? I'm going to tear this guy from limb to limb, serve him up to the birds. Slingshot a stone against a 12-foot spear, hundreds of pounds of armor, this huge sword. But that's where the Holy Spirit steps in. The Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel who you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head and I will give your dead body and the bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly, all of these armies may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. There's Goliath basically saying, come at me, bro. That's for the young people. I know some of you older guys. And David says, I'm not coming at you. My God, who is with me, who is for me, and is for Israel, is coming at you. Bruh. <laughs> and the power of the Holy Spirit gave David the strength and the aim to sling a pebble at this giant Goliath and hit him dead center in the forehead. And the Bible says that he threw it with such strength that the pebble sunk in to his head. After Goliath fell face first into the dirt, David ran up to make sure he was dead, and he picked up Goliath's sword. Remember, David didn't have a sword. He had to pick up Goliath's sword. This thing must have weighed about 75 pounds. And he took that sword, and he swung it. And now we have headless Goliath. He is dead. 
And verse 51 of 1 Samuel 17 says, when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. They ran away. And Israel chased after them. David's testimony was shown in word to the armies. We are the army of the living God. King Saul, I have been training for this all my life. I have killed bears. I have killed lions. I can kill this giant if God is with me and if God is for us. And then he does what he says God will do. It is not enough for us to say the words. It is not enough for us to just have the conversations and quote the scripture references and tell people that God wants to save them. They need to see it. They need to see us living the will of God. They need to see us Loving God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength, and loving our neighbor. The minute we become hateful, we are no longer testifying for God. Because God does not hate these people. God wants to see them live forever with him. We, like David, ought to be standing up for those whom God would rescue. Those whom God would say, I forgive your sins, whatever they are. He wants us to face off against the enemy with our slings and our stones. The weapons of choice against Satan are the Bible, the Word of God, and prayer. Those are our weapons. And he provides us with the tools, the skills, the resources, the physical and financial resources to do his will, to do his work. But here's the thing that we forget. And we see this. I don't know if you guys are on social media or not, but I see this over and over and over again. Here's the thing that we need to remember as we line up for battle. We need to face the right way. I can see I've confused a couple of you. David did not come out to battle Goliath facing the people that he was trying to save. He did not start throwing stones that way. We need to face the evil that is in the world. And I want to tell you something. There are people that will look at you and say, that person is pure evil. 
And there are a few people that have lived throughout history that I would say, yeah, that's pretty close to the truth. But our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, they're not the evil. They are being controlled by the evil one. Now they make their own decisions. They do their own thing. But God is not looking at that person and saying they are evil. Because if God was looking at that person and saying they are evil, he would have nothing to do with them. He would want to see them destroyed because God wants to see evil destroyed. The Bible says that we are not fighting against flesh and blood. We are fighting against the powers of darkness. And those powers are spiritual. We got to face the right way. When we are going to fight the enemy, Satan, we should be protecting the people that God wants to save, not throwing stones at them. Remember that story? The woman caught in adultery? And Jesus said, you who were without sin, throw the first stone. God doesn't want us stoning people that he wants to save. He wants us fighting the powers of darkness. And how do we fight the powers of darkness? Prayer. Knowing scripture. Knowing what God wants from us. We see this uh, scripture passage where uh, Paul talks about the armor of God. Did you know there's only one weapon listed in that list of the armor of God? And it is the sword of the Spirit. For those of you who haven't been in church for a long time, the sword is God's word. That's the weapon. We need to face the real enemy. We need to remember for whom we stand and who we fight for and who we're fighting. And I'll remind you again, it is not your job to save people. That's the Holy Spirit's job and I thank God for that. But it is our job to love. It is our job to share our testimony with anyone who would listen. Not to force it on people. But to look for those opportunities where God allows us to share His nature with others. If we're going to be at war, let's remember who we're at war against. 
It's the enemy. It's Satan. Let's stop casting stones and trying to kill the people that God wants to save. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for allowing us to come and worship you this morning, to come and look at this story of David and Goliath and understand more deeply that it is about you being with us and you being for us than it is just about some battle. Father, we understand that we are living in a war today against Satan. We are living in a war today against evil. Father, help us to see the enemy clearly and help us to stand up for those who you would see repent to show them love the way that you've shown us love. And Father, open our eyes to every opportunity that we can have to testify to your love and to your grace and to your mercy. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God is with us. Can you say that? God is with us. God is for us. Can you say that? God is for us. Now, can you remember that God is with us and God is for us? Yes. And can you remember that God wants us to show our friends, our families, our co-workers, our fellow students who he is? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. We're turning Pentecostal here. As you go out this week, be a testimony. You don't have to necessarily give your testimony, but be a testimony of what God has done in your lives. God bless you this week.